This is Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you today. Um, Folks, this is a monumental day in the history of the United States, the overturning at the federal level of Roe uh, versus Wade, and uh, they've now turned it back to the states, um, so the states can make the decision. 13 brave states already uh, made the decision with trigger laws to automatically trigger a ban on abortion. We applaud those states that did this, but folks, you are seeing right now the beginning of civil wars starting. You are seeing the beginning of more hatred than you've ever seen with the death cults coming alive right now. And the states that are not going to ban it, well, folks, they'll probably let them abort you all the way up until whatever age they feel like it. We are living in the last days. It's time to wake up. Folks, we got Brother Benjamin on with us tonight, and I want to get him in here because this is a tremendous day in the history of the United States when finally undoing a terrible law at the federal level. But folks, this is also a monumental day in the United States. This is the day when we should wake up and say, Lord, this is it. We are truly in the very last days of this country's history. Well, with that, I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin tonight. We're going to get started. Benjamin, are you here with me? Yeah. Hi, Frank. Hey, brother. Glad to have you on. And I'm. this is an amazing day and, and also a day that's a real wake up. And brother, I'm just going to ask if you could open up with a word of prayer as we jump into to this program tonight. Amen. Father God, thank you Amen. that you're on the throne. Thank you. That- Amen. Our lives are in your hand. Thank you that you are the God of all mercy. And thank you that you've promised whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved in this Mm. terrible time that has come upon the face of the earth. Lord, we thank you for overturning the the edicts of darkness. Mm. Praise the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for for throwing the choice of life and death back to the, the people, back to the states. Now the states will choose. Some will choose life. Others will, will relish in death. And let the fruit of their choice be poured out upon them, Lord. Those that have chosen life, let your blessing come. Let your, let your protection come. Let deliverance come in Jesus' name. And those Amen. that choose death, let death be poured out upon those people. Mm. Mingled in blood and fire, mm. send enemies among them. Persecute them, Lord, until the wicked are removed from the face of the earth. Lord, thank you that there is salvation in Jesus. And we lift up this time. We lift up this program, Father, in Jesus' name. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come. Amen. Bring forth a Rima message from the throne of God. Mm. And this is the 25th day of June. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, what an interesting time, too, because the row was done in January of 73, right? Yeah. And so the 50th anniversary is in January of 2023. And you know, I have to wonder if that isn't when the full the full death count will be just rampaging across this country in that 
that year of death that Roe initiated almost 50 years ago. And it's, you know, the Lord said, the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. And, you know, the year of redemption is the year of Jubilee. The day of vengeance is the day of God's judgment upon the nation. And they, they occur together. The day of the Lord occurs in the midst of a year of Jubilee for God's remnant. So it's both the best of times and the worst of times. It depends who you are. Mm. You know, to the wheat, you're going to be gathered into the master's barn. And what is the chaff to the wheat? Whatever it is, it isn't much and it isn't going to last long because the chaff is about to be blown into an unquenchable fire. And woe unto those who strived with the Lord. Man, it's astonishing. But yeah, thank God Rose been overturned. Amen. And uh, we'll see what happens next. You know, the liberals, the crazy left-wing people who are, by the way, it's obvious that they're the servants of Satan because they certainly have no, they don't identify with anything logical. You know, there's, there's no respect for rule of law. There's no respect for the rights of others. You know, they, these are like narcissistic, psychopathic mass murderers running around, you know, calling themselves progressives. I mean, the ultimate progress is humanity in a global totalitarian slave state. But God's going to intervene and disrupt their little wicked plans. Amen. You know, it's just amazing to me how these liberal people can vote for this stuff. You know, and, and I mean, 50 years ago, I used to shake my head at the liberals. I thought these people are crazy. Don't they know where this is going? You know, well, apparently not. Well, now that we're here, don't they know where we've arrived? I mean, the liberal democracies of the, of the Western nations are nightmares. Go look at San Francisco. Yeah, we're going to just decriminalize all kinds of, you know, hardcore drugs. And we're going to decriminalize um, a lot of criminal behavior. And guess what? We're going to get a lot more of. Hardcore criminal behavior and drug addiction. Oh, that's going to really be great for the, the normal people. I mean, they've literally, they're turning the country into a cesspool. I mean, you know, at this point, we need God to judge this place just to decontaminate it. Woe to the bloody city and to the nation whose scum is now cooked within its galleries. The scum, the, the filth of this people now covers its land. And it's just, you've got to turn a blind eye not to see the evil that is... In, it's encroached into every nook and cranny of this nation. In the election, go watch 2,000 mules if you don't understand. Outright theft, corruption, prostitution, drug addiction, sex trafficking, illegal bioweapon research. I mean, show me one good thing left. What's left? How has the righteous nation fallen? 
Ezekiel 24, woe unto the bloody nation whose scum has not gone out of it. I mean, I thank God for today's decision, but the defilements remain in this land. Bring it out piece by piece. For her blood is in the midst of her. She set it on top of a rock. She poured it out, not upon the ground to cover it with the dust. No, the blood of this nation, the sin and iniquity of this nation is sitting exalted on the top of the mountains. Nor was it ever covered up by the dust that it might cause fury to come. Fury will come up and take vengeance. I've set her blood on top of a rock, says the Lord, that it would not be covered. Look, we've overturned Roe after 49 years. That's approximately 100 million babies. And if you count the global Holocaust. Almost 60 million a year. Globally. Globally. Is that 3 billion? It, it's a, I don't know, but it, last year, it nothing COVID, every other disease combined together couldn't overtake the amount that died from abortion globally. Something two to three billion people. And so how many are going to die in the, the reign of the red horse, followed by the, the total economic devastation and poverty of the black horse? Two to three billion. The blood of the innocent must be avenged. The wicked will pay with their own blood. The only ones that are going to be preserved are those who are already covered under the blood of Jesus. Mm. You know, and if you've participated in an abortion, if you've, if that stain of sin touched your life in any way, there's mercy and forgiveness at the cross. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But we got to repent. And we have to stand in the gap and repent not only for our own sin, but for the sin of this nation, because the ground itself is defiled. And the pastors never taught anybody anything. <laughs> Certainly nothing that will allow us to win in the spiritual war in which we're engaged, which is why the nation has been so defeated. Uh, I know the Laodicean church has their, you know, they've got their black robed ministry, Right. The, the guys with, with the black Mercedes, with the, the perfectly matching black fish for the back bumper, right? That black on black ministry. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, making them twice the children of hell that they themselves are. Laodiceans don't know the Lord. Only a handful of them are actually born again. And yet they're. They wax bold. They're like the goats convinced they're sheep. And God's fury is about to come up. The blood already exalted. It's already visible for everyone to see. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, woe to this bloody nation. I will even build a pile for fire and I will make it great. Heap on the wood, kindle the fires even now. And I'd ad lib, turn off the water. Let the drought grow. 
as a witness against this land that is now under the curse. I thank God for the overturning of this wicked decision, but the, the hearts have to turn back to righteousness or it will avail us nothing. Even now, the spirit says, heap up the wood and kindle the fire. And the fire will not tarry long. Consume the flesh, cook the meat. Let the bones be burned. On the altars of sin, the bones of men will burn. Just like the valley of Henan, where the fires never went out. Where the bones of the innocent lambs and the little and the little babies fused together in huge funeral pyres as the innocent were thrown under the flames. Can you imagine how the Lord felt about that? We've never had to see anything like this. No, the, the death of this generation of children was hidden from our eyes behind the walls of the medical clinics. The babies were burned to death in their mother's wombs. Shriveled black corpses would be disposed in the trash. The bones themselves were burned. So the Lord is going to set the nation upon the coals that burn. He's going to take the container that represents this country and the brass of it's going to become red hot. And it's going to burn. Only it will not be cleansed. It'll burn the filthiness into the iron itself. Even as this nation wearied herself with lies and with her great scum, it, it did not go forth out of her. So her scum and her filth will be fused in the fires. And in thy filthiness and his lewdness. Though I purged you, you were not purged. And thus, henceforth, you shall not be purged from your filthiness anymore. Till I've caused my fury to rest upon you. God's judgment has already been decreed over this land. Yes. You know, it's as if Roe gives the, the people one final voice. Where are you going to stand on the issue of life and death? Where do you stand on the life of the innocent? Where will you stand before the temple of the Lord? We stand for, the, for repentance and for the life of innocence. Well, you stand for this people who know no bounds of evil. Do not stand with this nation. It is already ruined. Its judgment is drawing nigh. Its enemies plan its destruction. It'll be interesting to watch how this decision translates into the division of this people between those that would choose yet life and those that would rejoice in the death of the innocent. And so the word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with a stroke. 
yet neither shall you mourn nor weep. Neither shall tears run down your face. Forbear to cry. Make no mourning for the dead. Do not cry for those that are about to die. Bind the turban of thy head upon thee and put your shoes on your feet. Cover not your lips. I guess the face masks are out. And eat not the bread of men. We're in a time. We're in a time of preparation right now as we're rushing towards the second Jubilee. And maybe I can expound upon that before we're done here tonight. Amen. Eat not the bread of men. It's a time now. Don't eat the bread that was made by the hand of men. And either fast with the Daniel fast, eating only things made by the hand of God, eating the fruits and the vegetables and the nuts. Don't touch the bread of men. Don't touch the meat of flesh. For the next 10 days, if you can, call yourself to the Daniel fast. Or, or better still, the fast of Esther for three days. If you can fit that in, eat not the bread of men. So I spoke unto the people in the morning. And in the evening, my wife died. And I did in the morning as I was commanded. And the people said unto me, will you tell us? Will you not tell us what these things mean to us? That you're doing so? Then Ezekiel answered unto them and said, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will profane my sanctuary the excellency of your strength and the desire of your eyes and that which your soul desired and your sons and your daughters whom you have left, they are about to fall by the sword that will come into this land and you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips and you will not eat the bread of men and your turbans will be upon your head your shoes upon your feet, and you shall not mourn, nor shall you weep, but you shall pine away for your iniquities, and you'll mourn one towards another. Thus Ezekiel has been a sign unto you. According to all that he has done shall ye do. And when this comes to pass, you shall know that I am the Lord. Also thou son of man, Shall it not be in the day when I take from them their strength and the joy of their glory, the desire of their eyes, and that whereupon they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, that he that escapes in that day shall come unto thee to cause thee to hear it with thy ears. And in that day shall thy mouth be open to him which is escaped, and you shall, not, you shall speak and be no more dumb, and thou shalt be a sign unto them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So here Ezekiel was told, I'm going to remove, I'm going to take from you that which your heart desires. And you will not mourn nor weep. And so too for the nation, the Lord is about to defile his sanctuary. Now, 
Under the old covenant, the sanctuary was a temple made of stone. And the high holy places of Jerusalem. But under the new covenant, the Lord has prepared a living temple. A sanctuary that are the, the bodies, the temples of his people. And he's about to profane that sanctuary as well. And that which those people desire, even their sons and their daughters, about to be consumed by the sword that is coming into the land. And the people will do as Ezekiel did. They will forbear to cry. And they will not weep for their own children. They'll be astonished at the fierceness of the wrath of God poured out in this land. And the warnings of the day of the Lord will cease being a form of entertainment. The reality of the great and awesome day will now begin to consume. And people will be reduced to nothing. And the proud will be poured out. And the haughty will be cast down. And those who've hidden the sins of pride within will be the first to go into captivity. And there they will pine away for their iniquities. But a remnant shall be saved. Thank God for the salvation of a remnant. Amen. Amen. That was sort of the scripture I got today. Brother, that's judgment. It's almost here, Frank. This Ezekiel 24 is just, it's... It's unbelievable chapter. I mean, it's just so powerful. It's so real for the moment we are in. Oh, yeah. And isn't it ironic that here now that Roe has been overturned and, and it, not to make abortion illegal in America, but to, to return the legal question to the states and and automatically a number of states have made abortion illegal thank you jesus and so other states will no doubt choose death and in so doing they will choose their death in the war that's about to begin and so the judgment that will be poured out upon those people in those blue states that'll be literally covered red with the blood of their citizens will be completely vindicated you know, what further evidence will we need? These people mock the Lord. They chose death over life. And so death is their portion. But even as the overturning of the road decision opened the door to save the life of innocent unborn babies, God's judgment is going to come upon the children of the people that voted for the death of unborn babies. They will pay for their crimes through witnessing the death of their own children whom they love. And then they themselves will pine away for their iniquity. This is going to be something incredible. If you have not been through the wine press of God's judgment, if you have no idea how serious that can be, you're about to have the wake up call of your life. And a lot of people are going to think they died and went to hell because it's severe. I mean, we've been under temporal mercy here in America. You know, the Laodicean church is under temporal mercy. 
They're rich. They're in need of nothing. I ran into one of the Laodiceans down in California. And um, <laughs> guy that I used to work for years ago and very wealthy. Oh, extremely wealthy man. I asked him if he was still doing any business. He was offended. Well, I'm in the ministry now. Yeah, the black Mercedes ministry with the matching black fish on the back. Yeah, the ministry of death. <laughs> a ministry of the blind guides leading the blind. And they're all going to be led right into a ditch. And uh, He was doing business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Raping the congregation. Our, our, our nation has, has literally gone insane. The churches have lost their minds. No, in no churches in America does anybody call for repentance anymore. And if they do, it's like, well, I did that 20 years ago. And nobody talks about fasting and praying. And I'm sure there's a few remnant churches out there. May the Lord bless them. But so here we are, Frank. You know, should we talk about the latest news? Absolutely. You know, it's I'm going to just quick thing. I uh, have uh, in some groups, things chat with people I know around the area, like uh, this program called Slack. And I'm in one particular group with people that are uh, believers and everything like that. And I put out a, you know, Thank praising the Lord about what had happened with Roe versus Wade. I got two responses back that they were happy and silence from everybody else. Case point. It, that's, that's the state of the so-called Christian church world today. It, no, nobody's rejoicing. They're afraid to say anything. Oh my word. It's a joke call yourself a believer and support death anyways sorry oh, brother and the death the death of innocent babies yeah you know? and i had a feeling i just had to say it anyways so i jumped in there and said something to everybody <laughs> and uh so good anyways for you. <laughs> good for you. Oh, praise god yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah, brother, there's some you shared with me something that if you wouldn't mind touching on the yeah, if we could get a little bit of a what's going on, because what you shared with me about China and Taiwan, I think people don't. I mean, this is real. This oh, yeah. is real. What's happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a real war occurring in Ukraine. And there's uh, real war preparations happening in China. And uh, I would assume quite a few of our listeners have heard of the uh, out, the one-hour audio recording leaked out of the uh, Shanghai area by a general in the Chinese government who attended a two-day meeting where they were discussing, this was the, the regional government in Shanghai, they were discussing the zero-COVID lockdown of uh, and the shutdown of the export ports and, and the true reason behind the lockdown was to provide a cover story um, while they were going to begin transitioning the country from a consumer-based economy to a war 
based economy, converting the manufacturing facilities from consumer goods to, to supplies for the military, while at the same time they're retrofitting up to a thousand merchant marine vessels to transport military equipment, supplies, munitions, and several million troops for an invasion of the United States. And Frank, what was really fascinating is they were moving their mobile ICBMs, and the Chinese have uh, mobile long-range ballistic missiles similar to the Russians. They had disguised them as medical trucks. And so they were moving them to the port cities, and they're putting them on the merchant marine ships. They're going to sail them across the Pacific. And then they're going to launch them from a few hundred miles off the coast of America. It's really quite brilliant, actually, because it shortens the d- delivery time from you know 15 to 20 minutes down to just a handful of minutes. And so the communist leaders were talking about how they had to have the conversion of the merchant fleet completed within 45 days. Then they had another 45 days to move the troops and all of their uh, vehicles, weapons, artillery, and all of the ammunition and supplies that they're going to need. They had 45 days in which to move all that onto the transport ships so that they would be ready within about 90 days to uh, set sail. And the cover story would be a blockade of Taiwan, but the actual goal of the flotilla would be an attack upon the United States. And so 90 days from this meeting, which took place uh, roughly the middle of May, so we'd be talking June, July, um, August, they would be ready to initiate an attack on the United States by, let's say, that the latter part of August or September. Uh, according to the transcript, uh, the audio tape, which, by the way, this was received by Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. He happened to have a relationship with the Chinese dissident um, who has a news program in, in Chinese uh, who received the audio recording. And Dr. Pry forwarded it to the CIA. Five different teams analyzed it and concluded it was the real deal. On the recording, they discussed an absolute outside date for the declaration of war against America no later than November 1st. So they could basically disrupt the next election. Uh, they want to keep the Democrats in power. They feel like the Democrats will surrender majority of the states following the invasion. Well, they guessed wrong because there's a number of states that are not going to surrender. How Now, I asked Dr. Pry, you know, does that deadline seem feasible to you? And he said, it's optimistic. That's aggressive. He thought perhaps you know, they might not be ready by November 1st. You know, this whole thing might get pushed back a bit. You know, we'll see. I, I tend to think 2022 is the year. And, um, but, you know, I've been wrong before. And there's, you know, the prophecy of the 70 years of America Babylon, which I think was quite accurate, uh, which concluded the 70th year concluded in 2020, ending in March uh, of 2021. Well, we were entering into the judgment already. The, the bioweapon had been released. We, you know, we were then dealing with, a, you know, a, a, 
political tyranny under the guise of a medical intervention designed to essentially destroy the free republic. And, you know, in which doctors were prohibited for the first time by governors from using uh, existing approved medications to treat their patients. You know, th this was insane. Governors don't have the legal right to prescribe medical therapies. They're not medical doctors. You can't prescribe medical advice without a medical license. It doesn't matter if you're a governor. It's illegal. But yet, well, everything these governors did was illegal. Quarantining the healthy. This is absurd. Mandating a experimental medical therapy that now we know is destroying the immune system of the people stupid enough to place confidence in the arm of the flesh. The Bible warned you, cursed is anyone who puts confidence in the arm of the flesh. That includes bureaucratic institutions. Just because you got a lot of flesh arms together in one room, they don't suddenly become trustworthy. They're still the same fallen creatures susceptible to deception by Satan. And you gotta, you gotta admit, this deception was unprecedented. Well, it's the end of the age. We're pulling out all the stops. And so what's next? World War III. And um, based on all the evidence, it's probably less than four months away. We shall see. I mentioned a coming Jubilee. I wanna talk to the people about that. Um, You know, today's the 25th, and that's the day Roe was overturned. And the number 25 in Hebrew is actually um, spoken as half a jubilee. You know, the Israelis don't use the number. They have a number for 25, but it's more common to say half the jubilee. And because the jubilee is so central to the entire revelation of God's redemptive plan, it's all about the jubilee. It's about the time when God would free the slaves. It's about the time when he would cancel your debt and he would restore to you everything that you've lost. And in the law of the Jubilee under the original covenants of Zion, the restoration of all things was according to the law of the flesh. It was physical slavery that was reversed. It was the, the debts to people in, in the natural that were canceled. And it was the return of any possession that was lost through foreclosure or other means. So God did, he, he freed the people, he, he set them free, and he restored everything in the natural. Well, under the new covenant, everything's happening by the spirit. Now God's going to set us free from our slavery to sin. And he's going to cancel all the debts that are owed from all the curses and all of the iniquity. It's all going to be canceled at the cross. And he's going to restore to everyone everything that we lost. And that's the greater jubilee, the second jubilee. And now, not too many people have talked about the second jubilee. I actually have never heard anybody talk about it. But I talk about it because it's so real. It's the essence. of It's the come. It's the compilation of the new covenant. You know, look at the prophecies in Daniel 9. It's all about the Jubilee. It's all about every seven Sabbath years, we count a Jubilee. And it's 
Jesus himself said, the day of vengeance is in my heart, but the year of my redeemed is what I'm looking forward to. God's judgment of the wicked brings him no joy, but he must cleanse the earth. He must protect his people from the wicked, so they must be removed. But it's the redemption of God's people, the year of my redeemed, that the Lord is looking forward to. That's the greater jubilee. And so how do I know there's a second jubilee? Where did I get that idea from, right? I mean, I don't just make stuff up. You guys who've been listening to me for a while, you know that. You know, and I don't try to be a prophet. You know, I don't want to be a prophet. I'm a scribe. I'm happy to just, I have a little job. I like my job. I love my boss. I don't need anything more. I'm happy with my, my portion that was given to me. I'm thankful to the Lord. I bless his name. I don't desire to be someone great. I'm just a scribe of Israel. But as I began to study these things, and I looked at Daniel 9, you know, and these are the 70 weeks, right? You guys know all about this. 77s, 70 Shiva have been decreed for the people of Israel and for the holy city. I'm going to read the exact text to you so I don't make a slight mistake because you guys got to see this. I'll show you something you might have missed. 70 weeks have been determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, kadosh kadashim in the Hebrew. Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Yerushalayim, Unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven sevens. Your text reads seven weeks, seven Sabbath years, which is 49 years, and three score and two weeks. That's 62 sevens. And the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And, you know, it's like, why, why the reference to the street? Right? I mean, the seemingly there are these seemingly little trivial comments dispersed into the prophecies. You know, what does God mean about the street? You know, and, and what, what about the wall? I mean, I know Trump wanted to build a wall that that never got built, but this wall is going to get rebuilt even in troublous times. You know, I could do a whole study on the wall and the street, but um, suffice it to say, you remember that ver, or, um, parable that jesus taught frank where he said you know that that i'm the door and and only those that enter by me enter the sheepfold legally and everyone mm. else that comes by any other way is a robber and a thief amen th those who come by the spirit of the lord they come through the lord and to them the porter will open the wall it's the wall around the sheepfold that the evangelical church forgot to have a wall. They forgot to have porters at the door. They forgot to keep the Satanists out of the sanctuary. They forgot to keep the little lambs safe. Instead, every meeting was an evangelical outreach and, and the, the, 
I don't know, the elders or, you know, whoever these guys were that were supposed to be overseeing the church, they had no discernment at all. So the enemy walked right in and set up camp for the powers of darkness. Well, after the seven weeks, when the Messiah comes in visitation as the prince, we're going to rebuild the wall. The remnant, when they gather, there's going to be a porter at the door. We're not letting the dragon in. We're not going to let the dragon touch the little children either. And the, the, the way, the street, and that word is derech, and it's literally the way you should go. It will be restored unto the people as well. Even in troublous times, we're going to restore the righteous ways of God to the remnant of God. And we're going to build a wall around the fellowships of the righteous. And there's going to be elders and porters that protect the people. As God intended it to be. Not this Laodicean insanity. Everybody walks around worshiping shiny trinkets unaware of the evil that is already encroached within the assembly. And I had to watch that thing take over. It was hideous, but it's going to be that serpent is going to have its head crushed. And it's going to be removed from the congregations of the righteous following the completion of these things. So we're dealing with the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Okay. Well, 70 weeks is, you know, 77 year Sabbath periods, 70 Sabbath years. So you multiply 70 by seven and you get 490. That's easy math. And every 49 years, we have a Jubilee. So guess what? In 490 years, that's, that's 40. That's literally 10 of the, those 49-year cycles. So the prophecy denotes 10 Jubilees, right? Now, a lot of the modern scholars who, you know, they came up with everything using their own imagination and based on their knowledge of good and evil. Well, um, you know, I, I would just leave that where you found it um, and go back to an anointed understanding of the scriptures. Um, Sir Isaac Newton studied this prophecy and, and um, he re realized that these were Hebraic prophecies. This is a prophecy to the Hebrew nation. No, and under 70 weeks are determined upon the Hebrew people and upon the holy city of Jerusalem. Okay. These prophecies were not determined upon the Goy. These prophecies have been determined upon the Israelites. This is our prophecy. And when we count time, we count jubilees. When we count 25 years, we call it half a jubilee. Because the Jubilee is so central to the life of this nation. So why does all that matter? Well, let's just look at the math. Seven weeks have been decreed at the end of the age. That's 49 years. Okay, what happens after 49 years? We have a Jubilee. Hallelujah. All right. There's one. Those of you that are taking notes, you can write down the number one. Now let's look at the next half of the prophecy. 62 weeks. Well, that's 434 years. 62 sevens. Well, how many Jubilees fit into 434? Eight fit within 400. So the 434 actually is a compass of 442 years. So we got one Jubilee, 
and we got eight jubilees. Okay, that adds up to nine jubilees. Wait a minute. I thought there were 10. Well, there are 10 in 490 years. Well, so where's the missing jubilee, right? Yeah, isn't that interesting? There's a final jubilee that's not in these prophecies. Well, I'll tell you the answer. I really have studied this. I've prayed about this. I've, I have looked to the Lord for considerable time to see the wisdom of his ways in this. And it's, it's a second jubilee that follows the seven weeks. The seven weeks is a prophecy of 50 years, but there's a second greater jubilee that is added on top of that prophecy. And that is the final jubilee of the redemption of God's people when the Lord himself comes in the visitation of his people through the birth of the man-child, who is the 144,000 who are about to be born again following this war with an anointing without measure. And in that window of time, the Lord is going to bring healing to the entire remnant. He's going to bring deliverance to his entire remnant. He's going to do the greater works that have not yet been done. And it's coming through the second greater Jubilee. Now, some people, anally minded people who have are so convinced of their opinions, but have virtually no revelation, um, probably can't receive anything from me. They, you should probably just turn me off and find somebody you agree with. Um, but if you stop and think for a minute, it's quite astonishing. Uh, Frank, do you remember when we had a second Passover? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a second Passover in the Bible mentioned, but are you, I don't know if you're talking about the the yeah that's okay. Do you yeah. remember? Can yes. You give us a short version of that. Yeah. So if you weren't able to make it to the first Passover um, because it was too hard for you to go or anything like that, God provided a second Passover for you to go to. Um, mentioned later on. Uh, in well, the Bible, I'm, I'm thinking of Hezekiah's second Passover, where they literally just messed up and and forgot <laughs> the first one. Yeah, it was a biblical commandment in the in the law uh, that there was a second Passover. Yeah, and so they they messed up and they got the second one though, a second yeah. chance in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Hezekiah, when he figured out, they literally forgot the Passover, kind of like we forgot to obey the Lord. Or we forgot to fast and pray. Or we forgot to pray f- as a first thing in the morning. You know, we, we forgot to put God first in everything. I mean, th- we did a lot of forgetting. We forgot to study the parable of the fig tree. I mean, th- the list of what we forgot to do is a long list. And for many of us, we forgot the high holy days as well. A lot of us forgot that the law was the law of the spirit and not of the flesh. But in that context, Hezekiah realized they had missed the Passover. And he consulted with his counselors and said, well, what do we do? And and they decided, well, we'll just do the Passover 30 days late. And so he sent messengers out to all of Israel, telling them that, well, we've messed up and 
but we're going to do the Passover anyway. We're doing it a month late, you know, and you're all invited to come to Jerusalem. And the scripture says that the people mocked Hezekiah's messengers to scorn. You know, the religious minded people, you can't do the Passover on the wrong month, right? I mean, if you're an anal Christian, <laughs> there's no way in the world you can see the wisdom of doing the Passover on the wrong day, right? I mean, for the religiously minded people, you ain't going to buy that for a minute. So they mock the people to scorn. And as a result, only, only a small vagabond group of, of people that were poor and disenfranchised, they're the only people that even showed up. And so Hezekiah went before the temple and, and with him, all of the people who were basically the, the, the people that were homeless or in abject poverty who had nothing else to lose. They thought, well, Maz will go to Jerusalem and take a chance on this second Passover. We got nothing else to count on. So they all appeared before the temple and Hezekiah prayed and asked the good Lord to hear the prayers of the people, even though it's on the wrong day. And even though the people had, had failed to honor and obey God up to that point, if God would forgive the people, they were there to repent. And the scripture says, and the good Lord healed every one of them. And so they had a second Passover. Well, guess what? That means that they also had a second Pentecost, right? Matter of fact, they, they had the second Holy Days a month late. Well, if there's a second Passover, why not a second Jubilee? I mean, look, if you, don't, if you can get your hands around it, when Jesus came the first time, he kind of blew up everybody's religious model, right? I mean, there was nobody that was thinking uh, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to literally end the covenant of the Torah. He's going to fulfill it and he's going to replace it with a new covenant based on the spirit. Nobody saw that coming. Matter of fact, they tried to kill him for the very reason that he came to replace a covenant that could save no one. The old covenant didn't save anybody. I know there's a lot of people that find comfort in the old covenant that, you know, I don't, it's beautiful. You know, it's the truth. It was God's revelation to the children of Israel 3000 years ago in the deserts of Sinai. And I love the old covenant, but I'm so glad that it got rescinded. I mean, and why would I want to hold on to something God's done with? Right. I mean, you can't, approach the throne of God through the old covenant today. You won't be admitted in. You can only go through the blood of Jesus. You can't be making your own sacrifices. You will, it'll be an anathema before the throne of God. You must come by the new covenant or don't bother coming at all. Well, that was astonishing. That blew everybody's mind. So what was the problem? Well, they were all completely, first of all, they were convinced they knew everything. Do you know anybody? Does that sound like anybody you know? Convinced they already know everything. And they're not wrong about any of it. And so they were completely close to any new information. 
They would not listen for a minute to Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees, he was deceiving the people in their mind. And yet he was the very king of Israel in reality. So what did Jesus come to promise us? That we could be born again. Okay. And so um, when we're born again, what happens to us? We get a new life in us, right? And by the spirit of God. And, and Jesus starts to live inside of you. You know, do you have Jesus in your heart, right? They teach you that when you're a little kid. If you're born again by the spirit of God, you've got new life inside of you. You're now a new person, a new creation. A new son has been born into the earth. Sons and daughters of God are being born in the earth. Wait a sec. I thought Jesus was the son of God. Well, yeah, he is. That's true. He's also God. Whoa, well, that's a wrap your head around that one. It's the truth. Can't quite comprehend how true it really is, but we know it's the truth. But yet he's going to have many sons and daughters born again in his image. Whoa, more sons and daughters? A second son? Yeah. There's a second generation coming. Heaven is expecting the birth of another set of sons and daughters. What? Right? I mean, this is almost heresy. People will get mad at you if you tell them God is about to bring to birth the new creation. And he's about to bring it to fulfillment in this earth. Now, David talked about the new creation in second Samuel 23, but he said, he, the Lord makes it not to grow. You know, we we're born again, but we, we only progress so far, you know, and a lot of Christians will tell you, Oh, we'll never overcome until we're the great by and by, you know, until we meet the Lord in the sky. Well, that's not doctrinally true. Everything that you needed to overcome sin and death in this world has been given to you in Christ Jesus by father God above. It's only our unbelief and our unwillingness to turn in total sanctification that has held back the kingdom of God until this time. And so now the anointing without measure is going to come. And we're going to see, we're going to witness the birth of the second son. So, you know, what do we mean by that? Well, how how common is it that there were two sons to the story of the Bible? I mean, how many sons did Abraham have? Well, um, Isaac and, oh, Ishmael. Well, there's two. How many sons did Isaac have? Well, there was Esau and Jacob. There's two more. Okay, how many sons did Jacob have? Well, 12, okay. But, but from his beloved wife, Rachel, how many sons did Jacob have? Two. Joseph and Benjamin. Well, that's interesting. Um, and when Joseph was taken in slavery in Egypt, but was later redeemed and made ruler over all of the land of Mitzrayim, how many sons did he have? Two, Manasseh and Ephraim. So 
there's this idea of a second son, the one that would inherit all things, not just the son of the promise, but the son that would enter the fullness of the promise. And that would come through a second jubilee. And it's the jubilee that is, see, it's hidden within the prophecy of Daniel 9. And in my humble estimation, it follows the jubilee of the seven weeks, which you can benchmark that as basically circling this time. So just one more little insight. I want to show you guys that, you know, these prophecies don't work the way that we presume. They certainly don't work the way that you would understand them from reading the English version of the Bible. For example, the prophecy that from the command to restore Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah shall be 62 weeks or 434 years. Well, how many times was the command to, issue, to restore Jerusalem issued? And by who? Well, the answer is right here in the book of Daniel. When Cyrus conquered Babylon in the middle of the night, the very first thing Cyrus did was issue a command to the Jews, authorizing, setting them free and commissioning them to return to Jerusalem. Well, was that the command that represented the, the starting point of this prophetic countdown? No. Darius, the second king of Media Persia, also issued a command to the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Well, wait a minute. Now there's two. Yeah, and Artaxerxes issued a third. And he also commissioned the financial resources to Nehemiah and to Ezra, sending them to Jerusalem. And that command was issued in 444 BC. The third commandment is the one that then correlates to the prophecy of 62 weeks or 442 years, counting the eight Jubilees, to the birth of Jesus in 2 BC. Well, wait a minute. The, the prophecy says from the command until the Messiah would be born, it would, we'd get the 62 weeks. Wouldn't you assume that the first commandment was, was it, right? I mean, isn't that how the anal human brain would think? Hey, Benjamin, you're wrong. It didn't happen in the first year. Yeah, I know. God waited for the third commandment. What? How can you do that? You know, God prophesied from the commandment to the fulfillment would be 442 years. Shouldn't God have had to do it at the first commandment? Why would the Lord wait for the commandment to be repeated three times? I don't know, but he did. And so the idea of a second jubilee at the end of the age, is it really that strange? A greater jubilee, this time the jubilee in the spirit? This time, the final jubilee, the 10th jubilee, 10 is the number of completion, the jubilee that completes the redemption of God's people, which would await the glorious year of his redeemed, which would occur concurrently in the year of his vengeance, which, by the way, occurs, comes after the 70th year of America Babylon has been completed. Well, the 70th year was completed in 20, in March of 21. Well, wait a minute. The judgment should have begun. Um, have you guys been like asleep or 
Have you noticed the country sort of changed forever? Just a tad, right? Well, but the nation's not completely destroyed. Well, for a million small businessmen, it is. But the judgment began in March of 21. Well, why didn't we get the Ezekiel 38 war immediately? Because first there had to be a pandemic. And then there had to be the next phase. And now we're looking at the world war. And so, you know, from our, from the veil of, of our understanding, we see these things in, in part. We know in part and we see in part. We don't see in, in the totality. But the very first prophecy regarding Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago, the event that would signal the countdown, actually there were three of them until the actual countdown began. So here we are, 2020 was the, the 70th year of America Babylon, 21 was the first year of completion, 22 is the second year of completion, and the world war is on its way. Now, will the world war wait till 23? I, I, it could. From the fact that the global economy is being destroyed in right before your eyes, I would su suggest that we're probably not going to wait another 18 months for the war. What I'm talking about is the reduction in, in diesel fuel shipments of over 30%. Now the complete cessation of, of diesel engine oil, which will basically shut all the trucks down. Within six months, it appears there'll be no diesel trucks running. But 70% reduction in fertilizer that's guaranteed a global famine, the sanctions that have shut down global supply chains. You know, the list just goes on. I mean, there's so much that's been happening and, and is happening. The world economy is fracturing. The sanctions have destroyed the global financial system. The nations are, are reorganizing into trading blocks. Right now in Belarus, they are digging anti-tank ditches on the borders of their country with Poland and Lithuania. Lithuania blockaded Kaliningrad four days ago, which is an area of Russia only accessible by rail on rail lines that run through Lithuania, for which there was a treaty of open access in place for over 30 years since the fall of the Soviet Union. The Russian government signed an agreement with Lithuania and they would permit Russian trains to transport across this corridor. The trains don't stop in Lithuania, they start and end in Russia. And the Lithuanians have blockaded these tracks. Russia responded in writing saying, if you don't open this rail corridor, we will open it with military force. Lithuania responded saying, we're a NATO member. And if you attack us, you will be at war with the United States, with Germany and with the other NATO powers. And so here we are. Belarus is now digging anti-tank ditches. And of course, the disinformation has told us that, you know, the Ukrainians are winning. And, um, the intelligence from inside China and Russia is that the, the elite Russian troops are actually being prepared for uh, actions in the east, across the ocean. We are susceptible to a decapitating nuclear strike. Our nuclear triad is functionally obsolete in a world of today's technologies. The fifth generation weapons of our enemies basically obsolete 
are are deterrent. The Trident submarines won't survive the Poseidon unmanned subs that shadow them. These submarines have um, 20 megaton warheads on them and they shadow the Tridents and the Tridents will never even know what hit them. Our strategic air command is sitting on three air bases. Nothing is alerted. Everything's on the ground. All the weapons are in storage depots. It, I was talking to Dr. Pry and he estimated between eight to 72 hours to get these planes airborne. We won't have eight minutes. Those bases will be gone. That'll leave 400 land-based ICBMs that have got the improper warheads on them. Those will likely be decapitated with a direct strike. If anything does get out of the ground, Russia's ABM systems use uh, EMP-type uh, weapons, detonations in outer space to fry the electronics of our warheads. They'll just drop his duds into the ocean. We don't get off a shot, people. And what's coming in? The world has never seen devastation on, on a scale of what's about to happen to America Babylon. Jeremiah 25, 12, the land of the Chaldeans shall be utterly desolate. And um, yeah, that desolate word, you know, that's a, that's a pretty powerful word. I'm going to look that up for you. Um, talking about Jeremiah 25 in verse 12. Yeah, it shall be a perpetual desolation. Shema ma, she, mam ah, devastation astonishment, utterly laid waste. It comes from Shemem. It means to be totally ruined or destroyed. And it's, the root word is Shemem, and it means to be stunned, to be devastated, stupefied, unable to even speak, to be amazed, astonished, to be brought into utter desolation, to be totally destitute, to be totally destroyed to be utterly ruined with no chance of recovery. The devastations that are coming, the judgments that are coming are without comprehension. You know, Benjamin, Benjamin, there's something interesting that you, you mentioned why we don't get off a shot even. Folks, if you remember, which we've talked about a lot in, through the years in Jeremiah 51, it says the warriors of Babylon have ceased fighting. They remain in their strongholds. Their strength has failed. They have become women. If you didn't see the other week, Benjamin, they have decided in the military now in boot camp, they are going to stop yelling. They are going to just become mentors. And yes, our men have become women in this society. It, it's, it makes perfect sense. What's going on? Today, we have become like women. They are women. They're literally transgendering into women. It's astonishing. Yeah, the scriptures, you know, years ago when I read that verse that they would become like women, you know, I thought that meant that they would cry and be afraid, you know. I, did, I didn't realize, no, they're going to actually be wearing high heels the whole nine yards. I mean, it's just disgusting. It, it's shocking just how literal this word has become. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, here we are, the, you know, and if let's just talk about the seven weeks prophecy, okay? 
um, which is the 49 years. And, and we have to add the Jubilee, which is 50. And, and I'm telling you, there's a, there's a missing Jubilee in the prophecy of Daniel 9, which is the second final Jubilee. And that's the one you want part of that final Jubilee, because that's the Jubilee that takes us into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. You know, look, the abyss is going to open. And the, the demonic is going to be literally released into the earth. And the wicked are going to be completely demon-possessed. So they're going to all turn into devils. Okay. And the, the Laodicean church, if they belong to the Lord, they're going to get cleansed through the furnace of affliction that's coming. But, but they will be cleaned and they will, they'll get a crown of glory for not denying the Lord. But then the remnant that will be here, they're going to be transformed. Born again totally. And as the world turns into the darkness of, of Satan, the remnant of God are going to turn into the likeness of Jesus. We're going to be like him. That's why the remnant doesn't need to die. That's why they get raptured straight into the kingdom. By the time the Lord comes in the clouds and he, and he literally flies up the king's highway over Edom and Moab, which is where the wilderness Refuge of the remnant will be during the final years of the great tribulation. The remnant will be translated. They don't even need to die. They'll already be clean. They'll already been transformed. And that is what is coming when the Messiah, the Prince is revealed. Now we've, you guys, I know a lot of people want to get afraid. Okay. Because they see everything in the natural but none of this is really being controlled in the natural. Everything that's happening in the earth is actually controlled in the spirit by the Lord himself. And, and this is the king of kings who said, I will protect that which is mine. And he is mighty to save and he's quite capable of protecting us. So we don't need to fear what man could do unto us. But, you know, so we're looking at a prophecy of 50 years and maybe then you add another jubilee on top of it. So, you know, what are, what do you benchmark for the prophecy of the final greatest Jubilee? Is it the secular calendar? Do we use Rosh Hashanah in the spring? Or do we look to the spiritual calendar? And are, are we talking about events that, that are hinged off Nisan in the fall? I, I mean, in the spring, Rosh Hashanah is in the fall. You know, that there's no guidebook on, well, which of the calendars even do we use? And then when was the decree to rebuild Jerusalem issued? Well, the only evidence of anything that I was able to find, and I've, I've looked carefully, was an, an action in 1969 by the Knesset authorizing the creation of a company to reconstruct the holy city. And if we count complete biblical years, we would start counting from 1950, Oh, the same year that you would count Babylon's, pardon me, you'd start counting from 1970, rather, um, 20 years off of the, the countdown of Babylon's 70 years, and we'd end up in 2020. And then if we add the Jubilee, a second Jubilee, that pushes us into 21 or 22. Now, could there have been an event we don't know about that was the actual command? To rebuild the city you know these we only see darkly into these prophecies but one thing is for certain the birth of the man child the visitation of the lord 
the coming second greater jubilee, all of these things occur either during or immediately following World War III. And as the Lord comes in visitation, the first thing he does is bring his judgment. It began with a pandemic. The pestilence goes before him. In the book of Amos, we are told. And then comes his judgment, begins on the nations, then his redemption of his redeemed. So, you know, we are probably, we're knocking on the door, you know, and, and what does it mean when the man child is born? Is that the conception? Is that the birth or not? There are more questions than answers, my friends, but I'll tell you this, the time is at hand. Quicken your pace Amen. because the ground under your feet will be burning soon. So quicken your pace. Amen. 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 Praise God. Whew, folks, that was an uh, avalanche uh, of stuff, brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. We got some homework to do after that one. And uh, that's a good thing. Studying the Bible. Um, folks, you, you can't rely on your pastor. You can't rely on somebody else. You've got to study this word. You got to get into it. In it lies the answers to everything. This Bible has every answer in some form of another to everything we need to know in life. And by God's grace, we can figure that out in these last days as he reveals the truth uh, as we're moving closer. And brother, thank you so much. Redemption, folks, is right. We are one day closer than we were yesterday to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. And yes, it's going to get bad, but the Lord, it, this thing's going to be over and we're going to be rejoicing. And I'm looking forward to that day in the kingdom. I hope the Lord will permit us to have a remnant call gathering around. You know, the Sea of Glass would be a nice place I'm thinking of to meet up one day and talk about, you know what? And, and if I can have it my way, I'm going to ask that we could eat from the tree of life. You know, that day would be the best food we've ever had. And it'll be just a time of rejoicing at the goodness of the Lord. And we won't have to worry about any of the problems of this world. Brother, thank you for what you shared tonight. Um, it's real. It's real now. It's, it's, this is not, we're not in hypotheticals. This is not, well, someday. We are here. Yeah, we are it's here. happening. It's we happening right now, yeah. right before our eyes. Absolutely. Folks, the days are evil. Thank God for what happened in the Roe v. Wade today and the overturning in the states that will be blessed for their um, stopping this death. But folks, don't be fooled for one second. The devil is roaming around like a roaring lion. And you look at the news right now. He is roaring through these satanic death cults. Uh, and it's horrible. And uh, folks, be aware, be be uh, ready, and be in prayer, as Brother Benjamin was saying. And that challenge from Ezekiel, that was heavy. Ezekiel 24, you are talking earlier. Folks, it's time to fast and pray and seek the Lord's face. Don't put off tomorrow what can be done today, because tomorrow could be too late. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Frank, let me just make one last comment. I think I yeah. left out a, a, a small detail. Um if we had a second Passover this year, uh, we would be looking at a second Pentecost and that second Pentecost would be July 3rd. So we'd be in the final 10 days of the time when the disciples waited in the upper room. And so, you know, these, if you believe in, 
you know, if you if your heart can receive the idea of a of a greater Passover and a, and a second greater Pentecost for this season, as we rush towards the second Jubilee, which is the greater Jubilee of our total redemption, then these 10 days are huge. And the Sunday of July 3rd would be the second greater Pentecost. So, you know, to those who can receive it, seek the Lord with all your face in these, in these days and, you know, and receive the blessing from on high. And for those who can't receive stuff like that, well, you get to go away empty handed. Praise God. Thank you, brother, for sharing tonight, folks. We are living in the end. I don't know what else to say except seek your God. Don't take anybody's word for it. Not even what's spoken on this program. Get your knowledge from the Lord. He gives freely to those who ask. And he's promised that in the last days, he will lead his people. You can you can bank on that, folks. Don't worry. As Brother Benjamin uh, shared with us before, in the day of the Lord's power, he will make his people willing. We will be ready to do what God asks us to do in the moment that it matters. Just keep seeking his face and let him take care of the rest brother god bless you god bless each one of you here on the remnant call tonight this is brother frank and brother benjamin saying to everybody good night and shalom Trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion.